Thanks for joining us on the MBP, the Micah Brown Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Brown, and here I want to connect you to some interesting people in an intentional way. We do that by focusing on two main things. One, focusing on the person. Everybody goes through stuff. We all have obstacles that we face. Somebody that you may walk past on a daily basis may actually be one of those incredible people and you just don't know it yet. A lot of times as Americans, we want to jump straight to what do you do for a living? And we skip right past all the personal stuff that we've been through. A lot of times we want to label that as unprofessional and I would beg to differ. I think that by being more personal, being more intentional with our conversations, we can actually get a lot more accomplished holistically as human beings. So that's what we try to focus on here. Anybody that I interview, I want to ask what obstacles they've overcome and how it's affected them. Sometimes we'll just jump straight into it without asking the actual question. Either way, when you listen to an interview on this podcast, I want you to have met somebody in an intentional way. And the second part, get to know what they do as a profession. It is part of their life after all, so why not get to know what they do? But we don't start there. We will end there. And as many of our people that we get to interview, you'll see, they actually do some pretty incredible stuff. And we don't want to miss out on that either. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, a fantastic way to support would be to use that Audible free trial by going to audibletrial.com forward slash MBP. That's audibletrial.com forward slash MBP. That'll get you a free 30-day subscription to Audible for free 99. And if you want to keep going after that, that's up to you. Either way, that will help out this podcast continue to truck on forward, paying for all sorts of things behind the scenes that I didn't realize cost money when starting this whole thing, but they do. Nonetheless, we appreciate you guys uh, for helping us out. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Let's get to it. On today's episode of the Mike Brown Podcast, I will be interviewing again, Mr. Alvin Brown. No family relation, although I wish there was. We had some questions that weren't answered last time, some gaps to fill in, um, maybe some some questions that needed to be actually answered a little bit more in depth. And I even had a follow-up question for him from last episode Uh, the second half of our first interview. So that's what this episode is all about. Let's get to it. Can you hear my babies making noise in the background? (laughs) It'll be my kids momentarily. (laughs) (laughs) That's Lily. She'll be turning one tomorrow. So that's pretty exciting. Alvin, I appreciate you being back on. Uh, You couldn't stay away for too long. I wouldn't, wouldn't allow it. Not at all. (laughs) I keep on somehow got out of this one, but uh, nonetheless, I appreciate you being here. Us Browns got to stick together, you know. He's always letting people down, man. Hey, he's not even here to defend man, himself. He's not even here to defend himself, <laughs> and that's what he gets. You know what? Just should have been here. Should have been here. No, yeah, I'm gonna make a clip uh, just a out of that. Guy. I'm gonna he's make a, a clip just guy. of that and go post it to his Facebook wall. Be like, see what you did. See what you did. So. You left me hanging. Well, <laughs> this is what you get. So now he's a busy guy. Um, got a lot going on, and so um, wish he could have been here though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's always enjoyable to be around, and uh, he's got a contagious smile and laugh. That's for sure. You're the one that makes people laugh, but he's the one that like <laughs> keeps it going somehow. So. It's a good dynamic. Oh, man. Well, Alvin, I had some questions I wanted to follow up with, some questions that I had mentioned on the last episode we didn't really get to, uh, or we we briefly tapped on (laughs) and then just sprinted on by because we didn't really have a lot of time left. And 
as we knew, we had to split it up into two episodes. It was so long. So I appreciate you being on here to kind of, I don't know, fill in the gaps, if you will. I had to start with at least one question to kind of follow up from the last episode where you talked about a, uh, a piece of what happened that now has caused a wave of, well, reform for one. I mean, that's probably the simplest way to put it. But at the beginning of all of it, we, we kind of saw the tipping point with George Floyd for one reason or another, it could have, I guess, been anybody's name, but that third one in a row is what just led to the the wave of change that has been coming, the wave of all kinds of responses, good, bad, in between, neutral, uh, whatever kind of responses. But on the last episode, you mentioned that George Floyd's death, uh, you mentioned his death and compared it to the kind of the ripple effects of the gospel. So his death and the ripple effects, you said that that's, that's what the gospel is. So I wanted to know if you could tell us more about what you meant by that, just because when I was listening to it, editing, mastering and all that, it sounded kind of like you were comparing him to Jesus. And I don't necessarily think that that was what you were trying to say, but it might've been. And I wanted to give you an opportunity now that we have some time to just expand on what you were talking about, what you meant. Totally. I mean, when you, when you, is he Jesus? Let's answer that one. No, he's not. All right. Put it down. That's it. No, nothing else needs to be said. I mean, if you want to argue with that, I go, Hey, you can go take it up with, with God himself. Um, but, but if you look at the, um, at how he died, then you start kind of seeing, you know, similarities. Should a man have died for um, a counterfeit bill? Is, is the counterfeit bill wrong? Well, sure, but there are a lot of details that we don't know about whether or not did he know that? Did, you know, there's all these, you know, I guess you'd say minute details that, that, that goes into the story and that may or may not even matter. But that being said, for a, a forfeited bill, let's just say, does that mean a knee to someone's neck? to the point of death. And it's the same thing. I mean, they wanted Jesus to say he was the king of the Jews. That's what he wanted to say. And, it, and Jesus knew who he was. There was like, there was no waffling about who he was. He knew who he was, but it was a matter of, did they know who he was? And so, you know, it's, it's the same thing in terms of, George Floyd, anyone, any black, any black male in general, if you act, they're going to say, that could have been me. I mean, previous president, President Barack Obama, when Trayvon Martin was killed, he's like, I am Trayvon Martin. And I think it's the commonality of seeing that I'm only one hashtag away from traveling the world only one hashtag away. And so to, to a certain extent, you look at and you go, well, Jesus' death was unjust. And it's like, well, okay, there's the, the glaring difference. They didn't kill Jesus. Jesus actually gave up the ghost, the spirit, versus George Floyd was actually 
killed. But at some point you have to go, man, was it going through his mind of, I'm not going to get out of this. And I, and I would have to say yes, when you watch the video in its totality, yeah. um, at least with what he was saying and just as time progressed, he knew I'm dead and there's no way out of this, but death. That was about the point where I stopped watching. Cause I was like this, I, I can't, right. I can't watch. I can't stomach this. Like, this is a slight tangent, but I know a lot of people say, well, if you play violent video games, that desensitizes you and all this kind of stuff. I, I do. And I couldn't watch that. That's to me, that's very different. That's watching a real human being, right? Their life being snuffed out for, yeah. like you said, counterfeit 20 bill. And that was something we even discussed last time was if you really think about it, the people who were killed at that moment were, were legally innocent till proven guilty and you could argue, well, you know, until they attack an officer and then it's defense. Well, especially if we're sticking just to George Floyd's case, I didn't see any resisting arrests and it was a counterfeit bill. He lost his life over that. So, um, so just to, to and paraphrase. The store, owner, the store owner even said it. The store so, owner was like, he, the store owner even said George Floyd likely didn't even know it was a counterfeit bill. And he said that on an actual news clip. So for the owner to say that, and he said George was a frequent uh, shopper there at, at the store. So it wasn't like he didn't, you know, that some guy just walked in off the corner that he didn't know. No, no, he knew there was, there was a bit of at least acquaintance, um, uh, a relationship, if you will, yeah. there that they knew one another. They may not have known one another by name, but they knew one another in passing that, oh, you frequent my store, you buy, you purchase. And so even to have the store owner to go on the record to say, look, he likely may not have known that it was counterfeit, but regardless of whether he knew or didn't know, that doesn't justify killing him. Gotcha. And so that's to, huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's not an argument for me whatsoever. Uh, it, to kind of reiterate what I'm hearing from you uh, to make sure I'm understanding this correctly in case somebody else is listening and they or hearing the same thing. The the comparison is not so much like George Floyd is Jesus. It's more about the situational comparison of here's a man who for all intents and purposes literally did nothing to merit a death sentence. Yet because of his death sentence that was undeserving, he has now sparked uprising or standing up for something or put that confidence into other people had a worldwide impact. And that's where the, the comparison is that in, in our faith, Jesus was innocent when he was crucified yet he was crucified. And then it had a global and timeless impact uh, in human his, course of human history. Now we're not even going to get into the argument of <laughs> who was Jesus and all that. I'm just saying right. literally today, people know Jesus's name. They knew that he was crucified. So right. I, is that the comparison you're drawing or is there something missing or what do you mean? No, no, that's the, that is the exact comparison. Um, and, and okay. you, you know, you can look around and say, well, what about Ahmaud Arbery? What about there are countless, countless names, but I was like, there was something about this given situation it was so blatant that sparked the global everybody kind of raises their head and looks up and says wait yeah that's not right 
I feel like there, I don't mean this in a negative way and I, I don't think you'll take it this way, but I feel like it was only a matter of time before we had something like George Floyd happen on camera. Like oh, yeah. we, we don't have Breonna Taylor on camera. We just know what happened. At least to my knowledge, we don't have her on camera. Uh, and with Ahmaud Aubrey, Aubrey, you, you have it on camera, but you could tell from the get go, you're missing some context of like, well, what, what happened? Why is he running? Like, why is this person filming from behind? And then, what are the dudes stopped in the, so there were, there were a lot of questions, but I feel like this one was the most clear cut example of this was at a minimum undeserved death. Oh yeah. And now, and people, there, there wasn't as much of a, an outcry of like, well, wait till we know the facts. Maybe he resisted arrest because of the length of time that Derek Chauvin was on his neck. You know, there wasn't an outcry of like, okay, he's handcuffed. And that guy's kneeling for quite some time. And there are people yelling, saying, he's human, get off him, he's not resisting. So I think it was only a matter of time before we had such a potent example of this is not okay. And like I said last time, in the moment, when you, when you first watch that video, I would strongly argue you can't read the officer's mind and know if he was committing the act because he's a racist. What is clearly evident though is that it was an excessive use of force oh totally so then you can then it's what everything is kind of developed into of okay excessive use of force is more common towards black people than it is towards white people than it is towards other races um and that's where people start to get polarized and extremes come out and all that kind of stuff so kind of on that topic could you tell us in your own words what systemic not systematic but systemic racism is and along with that what would you say to someone who either does not believe systemic racism racism exists or believes that it's a myth created by the media to divide us which i'm hearing that excuse a lot lately but so one define it and then two what would you say to somebody who doesn't believe that it exists well, it's a, I mean, obviously it's, it's a, it's a structural framework. It's, it's, you know, uh, the tipping of rules uh, to, to the advantage of, of um, one person or one race over another race. Um, and so there has long stood, I mean, back, you know, dating up to the constitution and likely before, but certainly even afterwards, you start getting into Jim Crow, Jim Crow laws, um, redlining. Um, so you get all these different things that are going on with the, with the sole intent of, let's just say for this conversation in terms of keeping black people in their place, if you will. Um, and so it's a, it's a series of, of guidelines that, that basically are meant to not, you know, to keep people from uh, persons of color from advancing. Um, across the entire playing field. And so to a certain ex extent, it's going, is it, is it coming out? Is it the lynchings? Is it genocide? Is it no? Well, those are the extreme. So if you, it reminds me so much of, uh, have you seen United Shades of America? 
with W. Kamu Bell. So he has, and this is interesting that I even saw it in light of this conversation, but he has a description of where he's um, explaining systematic racism to where it's an iceberg. And what you see are the extremes. So you see the KKK, the Klan, um, uh, genocide, um, hate crimes, lynchings, those things. He's like, but what's most damaging to us is what we don't see. It's the underside of that iceberg. And so, you know, in most cases, when you see an iceberg, you're like, oh, it's just, you know, a little iceberg. But what you see and then what's underneath the water is way greater than what you see on top of the water. And so he dives in even deeper to go under the water. And it's a clip. um, If you get to look at it, look it up. It's like a minute long clip of where he begins to explaining um, different things of what systematic racism looks like or what you may not even see it to be. um, To where he's talking systemic racism um and so you look at it and he um explains it so well and just in terms of just a little bitty actions that go along the way in terms of like redlining like i said gerrymandering and i mean the list goes on and so because of these things it's the little things that you don't necessarily see that you wouldn't say oh that person is is racist or this is a systemic um racism at, at, at play you really would dismiss it because it seems little. But again, that which seems little does over time add into something that, you know, is quite quite large, which there's where you get a situation like the George Floyd where the straw breaks the camel's back and, you know, social upheaval starts happening. Right. And then you get the video that happened last year of um... – where, what, I, I bet you know which video I'm talking about, where the guy's pulled out of his car, the officer reaches in, rolls down the window, and tells everybody on the camera, like, keep watching, folks, you know, here's what's going to happen. And the yeah. next thing you know, he gets, the camera gets knocked out of his hand, he's ripped out of the car, all because the officer smelled some weed, and he rightfully so was saying, why are you asking, I, I will not step out of my car, you know, I have no reason to. Which, right. for the record, my friend Kurt has done exactly that, and nothing happened to him. He's white. So to me personally, <laughs> I was I was shocked. I was like, what you have to have I think it's like reasonable cause or warrant or something like that to remove somebody from their vehicle forcibly like that. And to my knowledge, there were there was no at least from what I've read, there's no reason legally for him to have been pulled out like that. Um but real quick, what was the clip uh, that you were explaining and using to explain so yeah, so W Kamu, so W dot and then Kamu K A M A U Bell. Um, so look him up, United Shades of America. He's had about a couple of different. I want to say it's like three seasons, maybe three or four seasons out now. Um, but it is an interesting walk uh, through and across America, and he goes in pretty deep in terms of exploring uh, just racism where and and how deep it goes and how far back it goes i mean he's just traveling around different cities and towns throughout the u.s so for those listening that is on uh cnn.com it's a um 
it's a show. And so what Alvin's talking about is a particular clip about icebergs. I'll try to find that and provide the link for anybody that wants to watch it. And uh, I would hope that anybody listening to this podcast would at least be willing to, I know people have their own feelings about CNN versus Fox <laughs> News and right. New York Times and whatever, but at least listen. Uh, that's what I would hope for. So you've kind of explained systemic racism as I would argue millions of tiny little things in some cases that create actually a, a wider net that offhand one person may say, dude, that's not a big deal. Like that's not even a thing. What they don't realize is that that one event was actually happening thousands of other times in other cities and no one knows about it, but it's right. happening constantly on top of the the redlining gerrymandering which for those that don't know gerrymandering is where you draw political districts and you should look it up it, they're very jagged lines mm -hmm. of which neighborhood will be included and which one will not be and typically historically the people that decide decided those had been white people in office right so um and they they tend to draw those lines based on political affiliation or based on people that they want to be involved with so it's kind of an ironic setup where the people who are elected into office are the ones that then get to decide who's going to reelect them into office. Right. And, it's and then it goes even a step issue. further to even banks were using those maps that were drawn, that were redlined. So based on where you live, you may or may not get a loan. And so now if you think about, oh, that's nothing but small, but if it's small and it plays out over the course of three to four generations, well, now you have folks that are outside of the red line that are getting ahead. So it's no, if we look at today, it's no, it's no wonder if you look at, at an average, let's just say an average family of a husband and a wife and two kids. If you have a white family, if you have a black family, you have a situation where net worth, like that white family is going to have 10 times as much as a black family. Well, if you start looking at, and there's going to be so many arguments just on that statement alone. Oh, but sure. if you start to rewind things back and you're tying it back to, to redlining, you start to actually see, oh, well, by redlining, wait, you can only get certain types of loans if you can get a loan at all. Well, not only that, based on how the red line, how it falls, that impacts school funding in districts. Why? Yeah. Because those who are in the red line only get certain types of jobs. Well, those who are outside that red line have certain types of jobs that likely lend themselves to higher income. So they're paying higher property taxes. Whereas if you're red line, you're likely paying lower property taxes. So that funding that's going in the schools is quite different. Well, it also then results into those outside the red line then have different opportunities in terms of summer camps and all this other stuff versus mm -hmm. folks that are inside that. They may not have the same, you know, same sort of opportunities at that same level. Um, and so it's really something to, you know, consider and look at as to, yes, as small as it seems, that actually plays out on a big scale. Yeah, I wanted to simplify this for people that are listening. If you don't quite follow what we're, we're talking about, imagine you have an angle in math class or geometry or something like that. 
and you have two lines one degree off over time that gap is going to widen so the argument i've heard when i've kind of brought this up to people they say okay sure you know back in the the 40s 50s 60s whatever sure we we had systemic racism i'll give you that but we don't have it now and what's unfortunate is that people don't understand how uh history apparently impacts the present day so that one degree that I'm using as an example of what Alvin's saying, the one degree separation of who's on the inside of this district versus who's on the outside of that district in another district or unincorporated county or something like that, that's the one degree difference that over, like Alvin just said, over three generations, two, three, four generations, it's going to widen the gap. So that today, what seems normal is actually a byproduct historically of systemic racism. And it's still, and, and what people are up in arms about is that not enough has been done to course correct that, to close that, that gap from the one degree of separation. Um, so yes, there are extreme people who have different opinions about it and that sort of thing, but I just want people to fundamentally understand what we're discussing when we say st systemic racism. So Alvin, what would you say to someone who just flat out is like, no, it's a myth. The media made it up to divide us. And it was probably CNN that made it up. Yeah. And so, I mean, I asked the question. That's um, a joke. But if it's, <laughs> you know, I asked the question of just going, all right, hey, likely is the case, you know, has your, how has your race impacted or not impacted how you live? Um, obviously, for those persons of color, race is something that has likely impacted them to a certain extent um, in not getting certain things and not getting certain, um, you know, shakes, if you will, um, just in turn, fair shakes, rather. Now, if I look and I always ask, you know, white people, I'm like, has your life been hard because of your color? or not. And I'm like, well, it hadn't really played a role. Well, okay. If it hasn't played a role, but in my life it has, and I can actually point to situations that it has played a role, then we're, we're back to that picture that we talked about in, I guess, the last or last episode or previous episode prior to that yeah, about one of those. equality. <laughs> yeah. It's like e equality, um, equity, equity. Yep. and then reality versus true liberation. And so I'm like, where we want everybody is liberation, but where we often end up squabbling is over equity and equality, which lends sure. to a distorted and skewed reality. So, you know, it's like, well, sure, if you're quick to say that race doesn't matter, it doesn't impact. Well, I'll tell you what, let's let's change paint jobs for a minute and let's see how far <laughs> you go and get in life. Well, blackface um, is frowned upon, so I'm not going to change paint jobs for it, now. <laughs> it, it, exactly. But, but in most cases, if we get down to brass tacks, most people aren't willing to go, sure, I'll gladly exchange your – because I go, when we talk about color, and if you're going to exchange color, that means you got to forfeit a lot of everything that you've already witnessed, experienced, realized to your benefit. Yep. And I go, that's a total different topic. It's not just a, 
oh, Alvin took off his blackness Michael, and, and Michael took off his whiteness and they exchanged. It's like, no, yep. no, 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 no. Yes, we exchanged. But with that also comes, hey, the house, the car, all these different things that we've been afforded based on a certain look. Well, and, and, and again, we're talking about that historical you know, right. one degree of difference that over time has created, you know, where I, in my case, I have a lineage of, of people with higher education degrees. Elizabeth doesn't have, um, on both sides of her family doesn't have that, but she still has uh, a dad who's worked his way up. And he's one of the people who has had some pretty, I mean, he grew up with an outhouse on his property. He didn't have indoor plumbing. That's 64. Four years ago when he was born or something like that. I mean, right. it wasn't too long ago, historically right. speaking, and he had an outhouse. So that's pretty difficult, you know, uh, to have to get over that. <laughs> but again, what we're talking about is that though uh, an individual may not experience it, or though an individual may, um, I apologize for that, or though an individual may not think that something is real doesn't mean that it's not real for somebody else. Totally. And we're seeing that play out, you know, firsthand in, in everything that's going on. I've, I have a, a black friend who he says that, um, he, he says that systemic racism and, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't exist. And he also says that his skin color has not mattered. And my thought is like, okay, Maybe in your case, you, you might be one of the few who has actually grown up in a, uh, an individual neighborhood, gone to, it was Texas A&M University, maybe mm-hmm. gone to these different, you might have weaved that line perfectly and not experienced it. And congrats to you. But no one, literally no one should ever assume that someone else has had the exact same life as you. Right. And there's that, that lack of, of sympathy and compassion for people who are experiencing things, not empathy. Empathy is when you experience the same exact thing that I experience. Right. If, if the Browns have had, if Alvin Brown and his wife have had a miscarriage, when we've had a miscarriage, we can empathize with each other. But I can't for a second know what it was like to grow up being black in America because I'm not black. So those are very different things. And that's the danger is oftentimes we will point to an example of someone um, that we go, well, it didn't impact this person. So it shouldn't impact. And then we make the blanket statement. It shouldn't impact everybody. And so it's just realizing like we are all just because you see one black person doesn't mean that the next black person is going to think the same thing or act in the same way. And I think that that's the thing with with racism is just once we've had that experience or we've been taught a certain thing, it is just blanketed. We don't ask any questions about it. Um, it is just a a way of life. You know, it's it's the us and the them. It's the you people. Yeah the the closest thing that I have to experiencing kind of the because I was thinking as you were saying like have you ever been essentially discriminated on purely based on the color of your skin which it takes a little bit of of uh I don't know 
<laughs> it's extrapolating the circumstances and like, well, could it have been this thing? Could it have been that thing? Could it have been, okay, none of those things. What is the only other thing left? Probably just the way that I look. And in other cases, it could be really uh, obvious. Like the story you said when you were five of someone calling you the N word and you're like, right. I didn't quite know what that meant, but I could tell that that guy didn't like me. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just could tell he didn't like me. And that yeah. one's pretty easy to point to and say, that's based on the color of your skin. The closest example I have to that is I was at Pint House Pizza over off of Burnett with Kivon. And then mm. I'll, I'll give first names with no last names in case they don't want their name on the air. But Andre, who you know, and Eugene, who you know, three black dudes and me. Now, in my mind, I thought these are my friends from church. I'm just going to get pizza at a really cool place. I just <laughs> thought it'd be fun to hang out with these guys. Uh, all three of which Kevon would laugh at this are blurs. Like they want to argue about <laughs> Star Wars versus Star Trek versus Marvel and everything. So anyway, Indeed. I am <laughs> I'm sitting at this booth with these guys or picnic table with these guys. I'm not thinking twice about it until I start noticing person after person walking by, just staring at me, and then looking around the table like, "What in the world is this? This doesn't make sense." And then I start looking across. This is over probably an hour and a half start looking around the room and I'm noticing people looking up and just kind of just staring blankly, not realizing even that I'm looking back at them, you know, and it became very odd and uncomfortable. Like, wait, am I missing something here or what, what's going on? <laughs> and I realized it's probably not common to them. And it's not common to me either. I got to be honest to where I'm the only white person in a group. So even as a white person, I wasn't fitting their social norm. And, and I will say the majority of the people that were staring at me were white. I think there were some other ethnicities mixed in, but, um, and most of them college kids <laughs> from UT. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it just, it was the first example I had of like, oh, so this might be what it feels like when you know it's just based on what you look like. It, no other context. I didn't say anything to them. We were all talking about, like I said, nerd stuff that we want to argue the semantics of <laughs> star wars and well that's not canon and this is and whatever but anyway i wanted to ask you this was a question that i've been addressed with directly and indirectly numerous times and it seems to be um kind of that break point for people either in support of the, I'll say the movement, not the organization, Black Lives Matter. That was a discrepancy we kind of touched on last time. But here it is. In your mind, is there a difference between the riots happening and the protests? Meaning the destructive setting buildings on fire indiscriminately. Not, not any, sometimes they're, they're specific buildings, but other times it's just a random building at the wrong time riots, destroying property, even injuring other people or killing other people, as we saw in the St. Louis, I think, the barbecue owner um, mm -hmm. was killed. And people want to hold on to that and say, well, see, they're even killing their own and that sort of thing. So in your mind, is there a difference between the riots, what I just defined, versus the protests? Or in your mind, are they the same thing by some common definition? Oh, they're all different. They're all different. Um, okay. So you have you have those who are who are uh, protesting, 
And I'm, and I'm like there. And, and in this case, it's folks of all shades out there that like fed up with this. Let's protest. Then you have those um, folks that are out there that are rioting. And do I agree with it? No. But as Dr. Martin Luther King said, it's like rioting is the language of the unheard. So if you've been seeing these hashtags over and over and over and over and over again, to a certain extent, we all have, we all reach that point where we will all snap. Like every person that walks the face of this, we have a snapping point that will send us over the edge. It's like, (laughs) listen, I ain't a killer, but don't push me. You know, it's like you get pushed. Parents understand this more than anybody. You're like, you touch my kid. (laughs) Right. Or or siblings. Like if if it's Nathan, Nathan in particular, I can say just about anything. I can punch on him. He hits me often, you know, not often as (laughs) it used to be, but um, you know, we can beat up on each other and make fun of each other and that's fine. But as soon as someone else says something about my brother, uh, song. that's that's the line that has been crossed you know yeah and, and i don't i don't appreciate that so i i can definitely understand that and so people get pushed and it's just what do you you know what do you do um and, and i think you know it's it's the i call it the weirdness that we see it, not even just the weirdness it's the odd um response in most cases so if someone um dies so death is pretty common but when someone dies and you see someone else throwing themselves into a wall and you're like that's an odd response but it's just pent-up energy that doesn't know how to necessarily explain itself not justifying it but just saying this is how it was released um, and so you have a bit of that rioting and the looting coming from a point of real hurt and real pain and, and just anger and rage of going, I'm tired of this happening. And, but then there's also the flip side of that, of where you have folks, a subset of folks that are slipping in, taking advantage of the situation. And yep. so and there have been it's, documented yeah. cases of that exact thing happening. Totally. So you then you even have another subset that um and this was documented to where you have a group of people who are calling the police and they're saying oh my gosh i'm a white male or i'm a white female and i'm being um attacked right now by a group of black people to get police cars everything headed in one direction on one side of the town only then to go and start fires and looting on the opposite side. And so like literally like banging on stuff, acting as if people are shooting, getting police officers on one side of the town, only then the police officers get there to only to discover, hey, it's actually on the opposite side of town from which you just came that folks are now looting, rioting, and setting things on fire. And so there's like this, there's so many different aspects and angles from this that we really have to really begin to break them down to say, okay, protesting and peaceful protesting at that 
like I said, it's just the irony of what started this whole thing was kneeling. If you really kind of look back between George Floyd, death, kneeled on. Well, we talked a little bit about this with Colin Kaepernick. It was like, well, he was sitting on the bench. He had the conversation with Nate Boyer, and then they came, you know, to the compromise or, or to common ground of going, hey, look, actually, it's honor to kneel. So from that kneel, which people didn't like, to, you know, the, the George Floyd kneel, um, if you will, people didn't like that either, opposite sides. But still, no one liked that. Well, it's that same thing that something's going to come out of this. And there's where you have, hey, we're going to peaceful protest. There's where you have folks going, I'm sick and tired of this. I don't know how to let this out. I'm just going to let it out. And then you have a subset of folks that are just, hey, we're going to take full advantage of this and make it look like other, make it look like the peaceful protesters did it. Yeah, and that's, we addressed this on, I want to say the first half of last uh, conversation, where I said there's, there's a spectrum of the way that people respond to things or the way that people understand things. And typically, the, the very extreme ends of the spectrum are those who are loudest and those who get noticed the most and have the most media coverage and have every bit of attention on them. And what's unfortunate is in many cases, historically, those are also the smaller groups. Right. They have the biggest splash, but they're smaller groups. So um, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I've had the same exact stance as you, which is, uh, and I've mentioned this to people who've you know, confronted me like, oh, well, <laughs> so you support the writing and destruction of personal property. First of all, I don't, I don't know where I said that that you're pulling from. Uh, maybe your own brain, but I, I did not say that, and I don't. I don't appreciate when people destroy property. Now, if there is a particular business who has wronged somebody, that at least could make sense. Now, making sense and me supporting it still are two very different things. Right. Uh, I'm with you. I understand that. I, I kind of made the comment to somebody once how how long do you have to be bullied before you fight the bully right for me personally having gone through that i had had enough one day and i kicked another male in the, in the place where it is not <laughs> you should never kick a, another male but i did now in retrospect probably could have handled that a lot of different ways but in the same way that you're just talking about it's like you have that red line at a certain point where you're like nope that that's enough i it has now been crossed exactly Exactly. We all have that point that we will snap. And it's kind of like, hey, uh, Jesus, cover your ears real quick. Sit down. Don't Earmuffs. come back. Yeah. And uh, I'll be right back because I'm going to handle this situation because these scriptures are just not getting it done for me. You know, Forgiveness, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know what? The, you know, Jesus wept. Okay, that's short of scripture in the Bible. But that just doesn't, that's not doing the thing that I really wanted to do. If I go over here and do this other thing, that'll just kind of handle the aggression and the rage. But it's like, we all have the, those points that we get to. Sure. And I'm sure even in the moment, you're like, if somebody goes, is this really going to solve the situation? No, probably not. And I might still feel bad afterwards, but this is 100% what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, a, hey, Jesus, uh, earmuffs real quick. <laughs> Just right. one second. It's like, hey, hey, you know, cover your eyes, cover your ears. 
I'll be right back. Do not come back. Don't be the second. Don't let the second come and come back. Just stay right here. Um, <laughs> and let me go deal with this situation. And that's kind of the. Could, I wish y'all could see what Alvin's even doing right now. Cause just, just the face that he's making it. Just, one second. Just stay just, over there. One minute. <laughs> one minute, Jesus. Just, hey, don't move. But that's the, you know, I mean, but that's the reality. Like, we laugh, but to a certain extent, that's the point we get to of just like, you know what, man, if one more somebody says something crazy to me, I might just snap. Yeah. And it, and it's not even semantics at that point. It's like, no, I'm oh, actually, actually going to say something. Right. Um, and I've had that point in my own personal life that I won't get into those stories. Those are, those are what I would deem actually personal stories, not for the podcast personal. <laughs> so right. um, I'd love to move to the next question uh, for yeah. the sake of time. So we don't run over, you know, three hours like last time, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I wanted to know, do you believe, uh, I think this is one of those questions that we, we kind of touched on and sprinted by real fast, but do you believe supporting police and supporting the black community are mutually exclusive or simultaneously possible? Simultaneously possible. And I you're, think it, you're allowed to add qualifiers to that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that it's really qualifiers as much as it's saying, you know, like we said, I, I guess in previous um, discussion here in terms of semantics, it is a game, you know, to, to really get the response. You hear something like defund the police and everybody's like, yeah, defund the police, take everything from them, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, Hey, Hey, hold on y'all. If we defund the, police completely that means there is no police and so if you have a situation on your hands and you need somebody else to be that third party what's gonna happen there's not gonna be anybody there and it's just gonna be mad just mayhem in the streets so to a certain extent defund the police okay from a literal standpoint I go, I don't support defunding the police completely, removing all the funds, removing the entire force. Defund the police in terms of redistribution, that's something different. Yes, we need to redistribute um, funds you know, to, to other programs, other services, while at the same time retraining. And basically, if we, I go, if we need to take it all the way down but build it back up yes but if we're just going to take it all the way down and not build anything back up nah I, no. you'll miss me with that one yeah we we know what the purge is all about we, we don't need that up in here <laughs> right. not even for 24 hours exactly yeah. the thing that's remarkable to me is is the fact that even um chief minton here in leander he said on the what was it like a conference or something that mosaic put on yeah, where they had all the forum yeah, the forum where they, they had the local police chiefs. I think you were a part of setting that up, even uh, even from a technical standpoint. But every single one of them said that, and I was on online just for this one little <laughs> snippet, and I was so grateful because we were on our anniversary trip, and Elizabeth and I both were like, oh, that's happening right now. Well, do we want to watch it right now, or do we want to go do something fun? You know, So I, I happened to be on right then. But every single one of them was in support of – defund the police but the question that was asked was okay defund the police first of all how do you understand that phrase mm -hmm. like how would you define that kind of what you're talking about and then secondly based on your understanding based on your definition do you support it 
And if I remember correctly, every single one of them said, I understand it in the way that you just talked about where it's, it's not necessarily defunding the police and leaving a gap. It's by definition, you are removing funds. So you're defunding the police with the purpose to reallocate those funds to, to another organization, group, whatever. They can actually, in effect, support the police because the police are overloaded. I know on the 4th of July, I called the cops on somebody because across the street, they're lighting fireworks in the yard of the, the school. And it hasn't rained for weeks. And I was like, okay, light them on your own driveway. Still illegal, but I'm going to leave it alone. But you're lighting fireworks in a school, in a school yard. That's a whole different situation. But when I called, what did they say? We're getting a lot of calls right now. We cannot get to everything right now. As soon as we have an officer available, we'll send somebody out there. Now, in that example, yes, I think the police should be called. But that's an example of the police being overloaded and not having enough resources to even address a situation that they need to be addressing. So imagine if on the 4th of July, somebody then gets into a car wreck. How soon are, are people going to be available? to like handle something. If some other crime is committed, how soon are they going to be available to handle something? So that was the understanding of those police chiefs saying, we understand it as actually the redistribution of funds. Yes, you are taking away from the police, but the purpose is to actually support us in the end by evening out some of the responsibilities and delegating to other, to other places. So I love what you're saying. Like it's supporting the police in a certain context. Right. And clearly you support the black community. We've basically all three of these podcast episodes have been about supporting the black community. <laughs> but um, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for, for me, it, it's very apparent and very clear that reform should take place. And I have yet to have somebody, once I you know, challenge and question a little bit, uh, I've, I've yet to have somebody disagree with that, that, that um, in essence, no reform needs things exactly the way that they are perfectly fine. You know, uh, so far I have yet to have anybody say that I've had somebody argue though, that uh, body cams actually make it more difficult for police to do their jobs to which my response was good. Um, but you know, that's my own personal two cents. I think it's kind of the same. People used to talk about having uh, cameras in the classroom when I was a teacher and I had, I had a lot of different people come to me and be like, no, you should not, you should be able to think about all the stress that that's going to put on you as a teacher. My response to that was great. If it's stress that we're worried about, I ain't got none. Like bring it on. Just let's film it up. If you need to just film me, just have a little GoPro attached to my face the entire time. So be it. Cause the concern is what about students identities and their development? And you know, is it like big brother state, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But to me, if it's handled in the right way, where it's the admin that then do observations from the camera at any given time or whatever, that's a whole different situation. So all that being said, I, I think that police accountability through body cameras could actually support good policemen and could actually, instead of us constantly looking at it from negative light, look at it as a, well, what about those times when we do have examples of police officers doing exactly what they should be doing and actually going over and above because it does happen. Now we'll have video evidence to back that up and start to reinstill some of that trust, start to reinstill some of that faith in the system saying, I agree, not all cops cops are bad. And here's some video proof of that. What do we do to continue to 
for lack of a better term, sand off the rough edges in order to have quality police force in our towns, in our communities, in our cities, and that sort of thing. Um, with the, the upcoming, and I mentioned to, this to you before we started recording, I have an upcoming interview with Chief Minton from uh, the Leander Police Department. And I wanted to know from you, for our listeners here on the podcast, maybe what is a question or what are some questions that you would like for me to ask Chief Minton? And I'm uh, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I have kind of an inside track. Uh, one being on the community forum, so having um, some interaction with with all of the chiefs to to a certain extent. Um, I I think with Chief Minton himself, it, it really becomes, you know, what are his first steps in terms of reformation? It is a big undertaking. I mean, I get that it is like trying to turn something the size of a Titanic on a dime. Like we're not going to, the expectancy is we want results, but turn it on a dime results that it's like, come on y'all. Like, I know we want yeah. results, but they're not well, going to happen. All like of Facebook that. wants things to happen now, you know? Right. Well, they, I mean, they don't want it now. They want it yesterday. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, I, I, I need it yesterday and I get it. But at the same time, it's like, what are the, you know, to me, it's what do you, yes, you are a part of the community forum, but what did you take from it and what are you implementing as the next step? And then from there, what's that first step? But overall, what's the roadmap look like? You know, for, for um, racial reconciliation and really getting into um, what does this look like for, you know, the city of Leander? And then, you know, I mean, obviously we could say the city of Leander, but really we get back to what does it look like? Let's start at home. What does it look like for him personally? What does it look like for his staff? What does it look like for the city? That's what I have in terms of just the questions that I would, that I would ask. Cause like I said, I'm a firm believer in terms of, of leadership starting from home. You know, I can't, if, if I'm operating a business you know, I can't expect, I can expect the employees to behave, but to a certain extent, what's going on in my house often plays out into other areas of my life. So if I can't manage my own home, then how in the world am I going to try to manage some, some grown adults Accurate. on the job? Like you can't. I remember as a teacher, uh, my speaking of things that, you know, just play out even usually in ways that you don't anticipate, um, the, the days that I had things personally going on, even if I didn't sleep well or something, which was a big issue medically for me when I was a teacher, I uh, had to get a sleep test, test and stuff. It wasn't just that I'm tired, just so we're clear. But even on those days where stuff was happening personally, whether it was, um, actually a, a bad breakup or it was any number of, of personal things going on without me ever saying anything, I would have a student, at least one, come up and be like, hey, Coach Brown, hey, Mr. Brown, are you okay? And these are eighth graders, just for the record, 
except for one year it was sixth grade. And they could tell, even though in my mind, I thought I was hiding it really well, you know, but nope, they can, they can sense it. And I don't think adults are any different. I think adults do a better job of just ignoring it, but they could tell, you know, they can tell when something's oh, off. Yeah. And so I, I think for somebody like Chief Minton, who is in such a, uh, a powerful role and it can have such a reach in other areas, I think that he is, um, he definitely will have an impact on his police force by what he's doing personally. I agree. With oh, totally. You. Totally. And, and to add to that, you know, just add a bit of clarity um, in terms of what he's doing. So what he said stated was, you know, he didn't understand some of these phrases that were being used in terms of, you know, anti-racism. He had to go look that up. And, and to me, that is the sign of, um, of a mature leader. Because just because you're in leadership doesn't mean that you know everything from A to Z. There are going to be moments, there are going to be things that get beyond you. And that's okay. But the reality is what, what's, what's okay, what's not okay. In certain instances, what's not okay is just to let it get beyond you and go on business as usual. What is okay is to say, this is beyond me. And I'm having to educate myself. I'm having to grow. I'm having to hold myself accountable. I'm having to go have hard, challenging conversations. And that's something that, you know, I have to hat tip him in terms of at even a personal level, not even at a level of a chief, but at a personal level to be man enough to come out and say, I, I didn't know what this meant. I had to go look it yeah. up. Yeah. That, I mean, uh, there's uh, grace and compassion for folks and even mercy if you get it wrong, it's like, okay, we've got mercy for you that we're going to continue to walk with you. Yeah. But it's, uh, it doesn't go the other way where, okay, now you said you knew it. You said you knew what was going on. You said you knew how to handle it. And now clearly you don't, you didn't know what it meant and you had no idea what you were doing. That's, I mean, that's just straight up lying. A deception at a minimum. Well, well, we got that going on right now. I know. I may have been alluding to a different situation, but (laughs) I mean, we got that going on now. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that that's what's playing out there. But I even, again, realized that with teaching where um, I'm, totally. I'm the teacher and I'm supposed to know what's going on. And especially first year teaching. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> I will I will never downplay the power of apologizing to a 13-year-old. Yeah. When you know you were wrong and you have a kid who, in this case, definitely called me out on it. He was like right in front of everybody. Why do you have to disrespect me like that? I'm a person just like you. Don't disrespect me like that. That's not cool. I don't like that. What if I disrespected you? And he got a little abrasive and I swallowed my pride and I apologized. And I said, I apologize. I shouldn't have acted that way towards you. You didn't deserve that. And guess who I didn't have a problem with the rest of the school year. So, and (laughs) I don't mean that in an exaggeration. I mean that literally I did not have an issue with that kid rest of the year. So I, I appreciate that. That's a, that's a good point. All right, Alvin, not to inflate your ego anymore, but I know you are an extremely intelligent, ridiculously good looking, reasonable person who also has a huge heart for other people. At least most of that's true. (laughs) (laughs) How do you envision a path forward? I I find it ironic because I don't know that you knew this question was in here. You might have, I don't remember, but um, you, you kind of mentioned asking Chief Minton this. Now I'm asking you this. How do you envision a path forward for individuals wanting to see change in themselves as well as our society and country as a whole? 
Yeah, we got to we have to be the change and change starts at, at home. It starts in our heart. I'll give you a great example here. We're right now we're in the throes of just um, especially here in the United States in terms of we are doing what I call dismantling things that have long stood the test of time. We're taking down statues. We're if 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 you did something bad and I mean bad like owning slaves, you're coming down. It, the Confederate flag coming down, all these things are coming down. And, and here's what I want to say to that, that I think will address this answer uh, or that question in this answer. And it's this, at some point, everything will come down. Think about that. Everything will come, schools will come down, names of things will come down because no one is perfect. Matter of fact, I heard a gentleman the other day, and I didn't agree with it, but he said, hey, um, Dr. Dr. King wasn't faithful to his wife. We need to take his statue down. And I go, you know what? You're right. You're right. If we're going to take someone else's statue down for being a slave owner, okay, well, great. If sin is sin and all sin is equal, we got to take Dr. King's statue down. I'll walk with you on it. I'll go with you on that. Great. But once we tear everything down, the last thing standing outside of our homes is our hearts. That's the thing that we're going to have to tear down. That'll be the last thing standing is our own heart. Once we've tear, torn everything else down around us, that, that nothing else can be torn down, but looking into the mirror of ourselves and going, now I get, I really have to deal with the issue at hand. And it wasn't these statues, it wasn't the flags, it wasn't the anthems, it wasn't none of this stuff. It was really what was in my heart. Then we can get down to business of doing the hard work of what it's going to take to not, it won't be a generational change. It will be generational changes. It's not just a single generation, it's multiple generations. And so that begins at home. For those of us that are willing to truly do the hard work, look in the mirror, look into our own hearts and become the change that we wanna see. I think that um, does in fact answer my question. <laughs> that, was, that, was, uh, that was perfect. I, the the lack of personal responsibility from some people even in the words that they say um and i'm talking even locally like the friends that i know yeah i it's it's shocking and i i think that i think that if people really started to analyze themselves and their own motives their verbiage would change their actions would change what they care about would change ultimately. Um, but I think sometimes, and I speak from experience, meaning I, I used to do this. People say things a lot faster than their brain processes. Uh, <laughs> I, let me correct that. I would say things faster than my brain would process. And uh, I would post things faster than my brain would stop me because the filter was there. However, I turned it off pretty willingly. And I would get, you know, I'll call it an accountability text from my brother. Hey, man, saw you posted this. You might want to think about this. And of course, be, being my brother, I was like, don't tell me what to do. You know, and then, of course, it would just eat at me. And I'm like, well, shoot, he's right. You know, 
uh, or my mom would. Nate, bring up did something. you hear that, Nate? He said you were right. <laughs> you captured this moment right now. You save it to your Record, phone. Do whatever yeah. you need to do. But he said you were right. You and got know, a witness. I know he listened to the first half of the the interview, so <laughs> hopefully you'll get to this part because he will not want to miss out on that. He's probably going to save it as a ringtone or something. Oh, um, shoot. I appreciate you answering that question. That that really does resonate with me for one. And I hope that other people would start to really realize that. Like that, that was kind of a question I had where, you know, you're talking about Martin Luther King and stuff. It's like, well, like how, how much are we going to tear down? And, and how much, how much are we going to look past? Because you you want to you want to accuse rightfully so the founding fathers as being slave owners totally i i get that i'm on board with i understand we're also 200 years after the founding of our country almost getting there no we're yeah we're more than 200 about closing up on 250 anyway we we can do that but at the same time they also created the democracy in within which we created the 13th amendment and we created all the amendments for that matter, where we started to offer immigrants opportunities. Now, have we lost our way a few times? Absolutely. But in the same vein, I used to tell my students that, that religion and government are two really good ideas uh, until you evolve people. <laughs> because people are the common denominator that either make things successful or screw them up. And in the same way that, I'm a Christian. There are people who claim Christianity and yet do really awful, terrible things. Totally. And that applies to literally any religion. And if you want to challenge me on that, I promise you, I'll find an example. I welcome that. But there are always going to be people, individuals, whether it's in politics, whether it's in religion, whether it's in literally any company, corporate, private, whatever you want to pick, some, the heart of the issue is going to come out within somebody and it's going to affect people around them. That is the way that it happens. So in the same course, my, my sticking point is, okay, I can understand wanting to tear down Christopher Columbus. I can understand wanting to tear down different slave owners. I, I get that. But like you're saying, you're going at some point, you're going to be accountable for your own heart. So what can we do to start creating a society where that is primary, where that concern of saying, what is the character of, of myself? Wh what is that worth? And what does that look like? And what am I willing to own up to and acknowledge and ask for forgiveness about? Yeah. And, I, and I feel like if more people did that, then we wouldn't be as concerned about, okay, what was your mistake? 50 years ago what was your mistake 20 years ago what was your mistake yesterday and instead we'll say you know what that person was trying to live with integrity and he owned up to every single one of those mistakes and that's sort of thing. i think that'd be a much more productive society um in my own personal opinion but it's my podcast so i guess that's what <laughs> <laughs> he sold himself sold sold done <laughs> Well, Alvin, that's all I have for you. Is there any other final thoughts? Uh, anything you want to point to? We mentioned your episode, your podcast, your website, everything last time. Anything else that you have for the audience listening in? 
No, I mean, I, I would just invite everyone to go along, the, go along on a journey. Um, look around, really let, stop for a moment and just think who is in your circle? Who do you spend the most time with? And really begin to ask yourself, do, is everyone that I'm spending time with, do they look and think like me? And if so, then that's your first sign of, hey, I've got work to do. Now, we all have work to do regardless, but you really have work to do of, if, we, if you say you want to live in a world, well, you got to live in a world that is, you know, basically doused in color, um, in full color at that. And so how you see um, life, you know, to say, hey, I don't see color. I mean, that's disrespectful, one, to our creator, because he made you that way. Whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're blue, whether you're green, whether you're brown or everything in between. I think there's a song that goes out like that. But something like that. Yeah. Something like that. It's copyrighted um, though, I think. So you can't say it. <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> But I just said it. But I just really want everybody to really take this moment to look around and, and really begin to challenge yourself, to challenge your circle of friends and beliefs. Um, you know, the late John Lewis, um, who was uh, the, the, well, he was, I guess, representing Georgia in terms of the uh, Congress for the last 30 some odd years, but he passed away. And one of the things um, that, that really stuck to me was the saying of, um, speak up, speak out and get into good trouble. Like that phrase really hits home because that's what you're going to get into when you start shaking up your circle of folks who don't look like you, who don't live like you. You're going to learn some things about yourself that you're probably not going to want to like, but you're also going to learn some things about those that you are close to that you're going to really be challenged by. Um, but you're also going to experience life in a more, um, full way than you've ever experienced life or could have ever experienced life. So long-winded approach of saying, get people of color, or if you're a person of color and that's all you have are people of color in your life, get some other folks in your life. Like yeah. create a full circle here. Yeah. It's uh, and and I will say Alvin is not telling any of you to just dismantle all your friends and get rid of them. He's saying add to it. Yeah, well, hey, listen, if if you need to dismantle some of your friends, you might be like Abraham. You might have to leave your, your relatives and cousins <laughs> and everybody behind and go to a far distant land. I, I'm but, just saying, uh, it's don't hit the detonate button just for the sake <laughs> of add it. Like, oh, I need new friends. Okay, well, I'm done with all you. And now let's get new friends. Let's go shopping. It's not like that. And And definitely don't don't lean into tokenism where you, you prop up, oh, I have that one black friend. Well, I have a black friend, so, you know, I'm not racist. And then I asked you the question, how many times have you been over? Oh, three times. So now you're counting the times that your one black friend has been over. Yeah, you probably don't want to do that. <laughs> and there you have it. There you have it. But I go, it's getting into these types of relationships that you can be as comfortable to call people on the carpet so that you're not having, well, I mean, you'll still probably have microaggression moments, but it's like, speak out, speak up, 
get into good trouble, get into relationship with one another. Yeah. Relationship. That's what my, my whole podcast is hoping to promote. And I, I hope that we are doing that even by this episode. So Alvin, I appreciate you being on this episode yet again. Uh, we'll probably do this again in a full calendar year. I'm just kidding. Oh my but, goodness. <laughs> maybe Kevon will, maybe Kevon will make enough time for us at that point. I don't know. Um, yeah, but <laughs> little people, oh, man. little people, maybe I'll have my brother on here. I know I've talked about him plenty. Um, he's mildly interesting, but anyway, I appreciate everything we, we've talked about, your answers. One reason that I wanted to have specifically you on was because you have very level-headed responses and answers to things. It's not, you, you're not on either end of the spectrum screaming and, and throwing rocks at buildings or anything like that. But instead, you're, you're one of the people who's saying, okay, there are, I'm acknowledging the issues. I'm acknowledging what's wrong, but what are we actually going to do about it in reality? So I appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate your comments and uh, wish you the best. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Take care, brother. All right. You too. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Michael Brown podcast. I really appreciate Alvin's insight. He has helped uh, this podcast get off the ground, as I've mentioned before. So I have a lot of respect for him and just gratitude. I really appreciate his insight as I gave him credit for right there at the end that he has very level-headed responses. I think that if more of that was happening, if more people were actually coming to the table saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm willing to admit there's some things that, that should be improved, some things that should change, literally across the board, you name it, doesn't even have to do with race. I think that we could get a lot more done uh, when people are willing to acknowledge things and have some reasonable conversations. So as Alvin said, and as I'm going to say here, I encourage all of you to begin building those relationships with people who may not look like you. And that may not necessarily mean getting rid of the friends that you're around right now. It might, I don't know. That's for you to decide. But the point is, let's start building more relationships instead of building those divisive Facebook comment thread conversations. Uh, those can get a little heated and lose out on some relationship and personality. That's my encouragement for you. Again, the show that Alvin recommended is called United Shades of America. It's got Kamau Bell, that's K-A-M-A-U Bell, W Kamau Bell. And uh, the synopsis here on the website says, United Shades of America follows comedian and political provocateur W Kamau Bell as he explores communities across America to understand the unique challenges they face. So if you're interested in that, check it out. I will add the YouTube or whatever link I can find for the one minute clip about the iceberg comparison uh, and include that in the show description. Again, if you love this podcast, by all means, share away whatever platform you use, whatever social media platform you use. I love getting the word out to be able to encourage other people. And if you want to support the podcast, also don't forget to get your free trial to Audible. Uh, that's by going to audibletrial.com forward slash MBP. And save this for the next episode, but I have some exciting updates for a new sponsor for the show. Going to leave you on that cliffhanger. Love you guys. Y'all take care.